<laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Alrighty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Modcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Perry. I'm here with your other host, Tyler Bedson. I don't know how hosting and co-hosting titles work, but here we are. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. What kind of animal do you feel like today? Oh, shit, dude. So I did that sleep apnea test last night. I don't know if you yeah. saw that picture, but yeah. basically Laura had to hook me up to all that stuff, and I had to sleep without ripping it out throughout the night. So I I basically slept upright and tried not to move, and it was probably the worst sleep of my life. So right now I feel like a, a sloth. I'd a say. sloth. Yeah, definitely yeah. sloth energy for sure. I, I do hate – I need to do a sleep test as well soon as I get heavier. My sleep apnea gets – Super, super bad. I do recommend to everybody, if you are a larger person, even for your body weight, please, God, go get a sleep test done and get yep. CPAP if you can. Um, I've been pushing Tyler. Laura and I have been pushing Tyler uh, very toxically to uh, get a CPAP machine as I told him I would binge eat the entire prep, and she went on a hunger strike until he got this scheduled. So we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> It did, it did work. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I feel like I haven't slept in, you know, since January. And I, I fight it off. So the, I remember I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was like, you know, I, I last time I was over about 2.05 is when I f first started feeling like this. And then mm -hmm. I was like, all right. And I went into a cut right before I was about to go ahead and schedule the test. And I started feeling better because I got back down to like 185, 190. Yeah. And then next growth phase, I got upwards close to 210. And it got worse and worse. And now it's like to the point where even now I'm back down to like 198. And I still, I'm 5'4", by the way, if people didn't know. So I'm a very short, stocky person. Yeah. But it, it's to the point now where it's like I don't recover. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I don't sleep well at all. So my recovery is bad. It's made my appetite pretty poor. And it's just like, if you're ever feeling that way where you're having like poor recovery, poor appetite, uh, irritability, I mean, it might be something to get done, especially if you're one that's growing a lot of size, like myself over the years, it, it's something you kind of, I've been fighting it off for a long time. Yeah. And now I'm finally like, all right, I need to do it. Well, you look at you look at biofeedback too. If your body is giving you all of these signs, like digestion just randomly doesn't work, and you feel like shit, and training goes down, and it wasn't previously, then obviously it's your body saying, "Hey, I'm not happy with something you're trying to give me," and it's yeah. a matter of figuring out what that may be. And it's usually sleep, usually sleep, or it, which kind of leads to all other things. It's usually the culprit of it. But I, I look at it as like the snake in the cage method. Like a snake will grow as big as a cage is. And if your body is fighting you while you're trying to sleep and it's literally fighting to stay alive, it's going to do everything in its power to hinder how much you can grow because it's seeing weight gain as near death, right? So that's how I look at it. So I need to get a CPAP machine too. Now granted, I am six foot one and when I get up past 235, 240 in the morning and I'm going to bed around 245, 250, that's when I start to feel like shit. So that puts in perspective of how jacked Tyler is compared to me. Um, but I will be a I will be a much bigger boy this time around, hopefully. Oh, I'd say so, man. But we got time. We got a lot of time to grow, and I'm excited. But nonetheless, we've got some topics to discuss today. Um, I'm going over them, and we appreciate, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who's listened to the podcast and reached out and shouted us out and everything. It's really really fucking cool. Um, my imposter syndrome 
kicked in hardcore as I posted those podcasts yesterday because I was like, are people really going to listen? Are people really going to care? Um, so it's really cool to see that some people do, and it means a lot to me and Tyler both. Um, and But we also want to thank you guys for participating and asking us questions because ultimately that's what we're here to do is to educate and hopefully entertain along the way. Um, so we got three topics for this episode that we're going to talk about. Uh, the first one being intro workout. Um, second one being... Uh, why it's so important to stay with a coach through numerous phases of dieting and growing and competing and just life in general. And then what we believe are some educational and experience requirements to be an effective coach as everybody is a coach now. So um, we will start with intra workout. Um, Tyler is the formulator of clinical labs and I have managed a GNC. So I can say we're both uh, supplement experts at this point. And, um, so if, if you want to start and kind of give your thoughts and then I'll go next. So we had a lot of people ask about intra workout. That was probably when I had like four or five people put and, uh, a question in about, so intra workout, uh, for me, I like to only use it if I know a client is training hard enough. So sometimes I won't even include an intra workout until I know somebody is really pushing hard. I may start them out with like, you know, a baseline intra workout, which for me is like um, water, essential amino acids, some salt, and maybe some creatine and glutamine. Yep. Um, typically to add the carbs, I have to know that somebody is really pushing hard in their training and needs it, which usually most of the time people give me biofeedback at some point, you know, like they'll be training. I've got them in their second training phase with me. And they're like, man, I'm like gassing out midway through the training. And I'm like, there's what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. I know that you are really pushing this as hard as you can. So that's when I normally add the carb source in, right? So the carb source that we would choose from, I like highly branched cyclic dextrin as most know. Uh, it's got uh, low osmolarity, which low osmolarity just means it basically digests faster. It goes through the system faster and it has a lot more benefits on recovery. So, of course, there's other sources, too, you know, which uh, Chris, uh, of course, you know, we've talked before. And it's like if you got a younger competitor, there's a lot of other things that you can use that aren't as expensive and you may not need highly branched cyclic dextrin yet. So, yeah, Chris, what, what are some of the other ones we've used? So so my thing is with with all of this, too, it. And I like to preach this supplements are supplements, right? It is a luxury. If you can afford it, awesome. If you can't, plenty of people have made progress without. Um, that being said, I also try to help my clients as much as I can. And I have some people who, you know, financially aren't uh, necessarily in the most privileged position. And I found for a lot of people, something as simple as Gatorade powder works. And the reason being is, when I look at kind of the same thing that you're talking about, when I get client feedback, and this is why it's important to talk to your coach, um, and they're talking about, you know, losing endurance throughout the training session, and I see their training footage, and I can truthfully say they're trying really hard. A lot of times I'm looking at electrolyte balance, like electrolyte just loss in general. Um, so for me, the one of the first things that I'm looking at is is salt intake in and around a workout. Um, and then the second is obviously, you know, essential amino acids, creatine, and then some amount of a highly or quickly digesting carb source, whether it's, you know, dextrin or if it's just, I mean, simple sugar works too in some regards. It's not really going to be generalized. It's, it's not going to make a massive difference in most cases as far as I'm concerned. So if you can't afford to buy the kitchen sink of supplements, 
get Gatorade powder because it's literally just sugar and salt, and it's going to work to That's a certain degree. There's, there's Gatorade powder. There's Carbolin. Um, there's highly branched cyclic dextrin. There's maltodextrin. I've used a combination of all throughout, you know, my bodybuilding career. Yeah. And when I was younger, I mean, I'll, I'll honestly say majority of the time I would buy the Gatorade powder at Walmart or Kroger. Mm -hmm. And I would just use that because, you know, when you're younger, you're trying to get the performance benefits from it. I really don't think somebody needs highly branched cyclic dextrin until they're more advanced with training. And, you know, it takes a while to get to that point. And we look at, we look at this too is, there's a difference between optimal and practical in my eyes, right? Where in, in a lot of cases, like in an optimal world, we want to go with what we've discussed. But in a practical world, if you can't afford it, just use Gatorade powder because that's practical. And that to me is more beneficial. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't want, we've talked about it in the last episode with supplements. I don't want someone to break the bank for supplements when a proper diet and training right and sleeping will do 99% of what you need. Those supplements are the additional percentage or whatever it may be. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't necessarily tell people you are required to do it. There are times there I've got athletes who need it. A lot of, a lot of my blue collar guys who are going in at the end of the day, they've sweated all day. You know, I have to rely very heavily on making sure their electrolyte balance is where it needs to be. So one thing that I have them take is the electrolyte replenisher by clinical labs. I take a serving in the morning and a serving before I train no matter what because I sweat profusely when I train. Um, and so I'm cycling through water and electrolytes like no other. So I salt my meals aggressively. I've kind of titrated that up over time. And that's one thing that I recommend people do is get like a salt cranker, count how many cranks you use per meal so you have a general idea of where you're at yep. relatively speaking and you can go from there like if i notice i start cramping and i'm doing eight cranks of salt you know today per meal i'm going to go up to 10 or 12 and see how i feel and if i notice it you know doesn't improve i'm gonna go up to 14 or 16 right and you just keep titrating up because salt is important and people don't understand that um, that's so many skip out on salt man and it's like I always ask that question whenever training performance is low so i'm like are you salting your meals or I'll see people, you know, post their meal on Instagram story or anything like that. And it'll be like a plain chicken breast and a plain potato with no, no salt added. And I'm like, listen, like that, that's very important for your performance. Like sodium is key. Like a lot it of is. people don't, they, they try to cut it out because they think it like holds water and all that stuff, but it's so important for your performance. Yeah. And if you don't have a medical condition where you need to like control your sodium, it's very important to add it in in each meal. It also tastes good. So like, why yeah. would you, you know, <laughs> like, like I don't, that's one thing I, I, I love to see some of my athletes when they send me pictures of their meals or they post their meals. And I'm like, dude, have you ever heard of garlic salt? Like, do you, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, man, like I promise cooking food to make it taste good is not hard. Like you need three seasonings, maybe, and like a George Foreman grill and your food will always be great. You lost Chris, hold on. You lost me? Can you hear me? Damn. Can you hear me? Oh, this is heartbreaking. 
Alrighty, guys. Well, um, having some connection issues. All right. All righty, guys. Um, so Tyler is back. My internet is stupid. So let's hope that every episode has a technical difficulty at this point because we're off to a really good start. So I appreciate all of you. Um, so intra-workout. Um, yeah, let's kind of close out on that. Uh, I guess let's say my my top intra workout if i were to choose exactly what i would want from it uh i would say about 30 ounces of water mm -hmm. about 10 cranks of sea salt uh yeah. 10 grams of eaas five, five grams of glutamine five grams of creatine and if we want to add one more thing to it i would either say uh put in ultima electrolytes or some type of electrolyte powder mm -hmm. or I've even had people mix up their intra workout inside of a Powerade Zero or Gatorade Zero instead of water. Yeah, so yeah. That's also a good option, especially if somebody works outside all day and is sweating all day. I think Gatorade Zero and Powerade Zero are awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think my only thing, and it's because I'm just like this the worst, I can't drink too much sweet stuff during a workout or I will vomit profusely. So I usually yeah. just do like... I'll usually just do all the powders together and I usually I usually drink a Powerade Zero or Gatorade Zero after I get done at the gym on my drive home. Um mm -hmm. so I have a lot of my guys do is like kind of separate those things just because it's a lot of artificial sweetener and everything all at once and sometimes it makes stomachs upset. So um yeah. that's but that's that's I think it's perfect, you know. And as far as intra carb amount goes, um I've seen research kind of go in a lot of different directions, but primarily I've seen twenty five grams is really about all that you need. From carbs, what are your thoughts on that? So I normally start people minimum about 20, even my mm -hmm. females. Um, I go for a moderate average dose of like if I'm having somebody grow, I'll put them on about 50. Yeah. And I have very, very few where I went up to 80 to 100. And I'm talking those are guys that are over 250 pounds of muscle mass. Yeah. So yeah. I think 20 is a good place to start. For sure. I think that, that's about the lowest you should go if you're going to plan on adding them in to get some benefits. Yeah. Uh, I think 50 is a good average as long as the body can handle it and if the person's food is at a good spot and then i'd say my high range is 100 yeah that, that makes sense that makes sense to me yeah. for sure um i usually I, I found for me about 50 is about the most and that's the most we've ever done for me yeah um, that works man and you don't need much more no because it's just it, it, i mean granted too i'm like i train lower volume as well so like for me i don't necessarily like I do fizzle out towards the end of a workout, but I'm not doing, you know, five working sets per exercise. So I'm not necessarily burning through glycogen at the same rate as I imagine some of those guys are. Um, so I can kind of get away with a little bit less, fortunately. But I also like my pre, 
carb my pre-workout meal is pretty carb heavy as it is so i'm usually yeah. kind of held over from that as well but that is why nutrition is always more important um so kind of the next topic that we were talking about is you know the the benefits of staying with a coach for an extended period of time what an extended period of time really means um and why coach hopping is actually just going to ruin your progress so for me i've been with tyler since march of last year and i still consider where we're at now like in the baby phases of learning my body you know granted looking at everything you know when tyler got me i was not in a good spot i was very like my insulin resistance was horrible i was kind of skinny fat and was just kind of being the worst and we put me through a dieting phase and or a health phase into a prep prep for a lot of last year went through short growing phase went through another prep so you know, we've been through health phases throughout that as well. Like that's just a very general synopsis as to what we've done. And we're still learning. Like I said, this prep, we learned that I respond well to a keto based diet, you know, towards the end, we dropped 15, 20 pounds in the last four weeks and didn't change expenditure at all during that. And calorically, I was probably eating a little bit more calorie for calorie than previously in the diet, which is super cool. Um, but we're still learning and we're learning what I respond well to. We've learned, I mean, psychologically what I respond well to as far as our relationship goes, which I think is super important. Um, but I always tell people, you know, you've, you've got to give your coach time, a lot of time, because we are looking at people and making educated guesses as to what we think will work. And that takes time to figure out this is a we can be slightly proactive with our education and experience, but we're primarily having to be reactive to seeing what the body does. And that takes time. When adherence is even still perfect at that point, if adherence isn't perfect, it just takes even longer. So it's like you have great communication, great adherence. This still takes time to figure things out because we've got to work through a billion different phases and different trials and errors to figure it out. You look at the best in the world, like, you know, Flex Lewis and Neil Yoda Hill, like, they were together for what, like 25 years or something ridiculous and they figured it out. But, but anyways, that's kind of my, my intro tangent. If you want to kind of give your thoughts on that as well. See, like, so whenever I have somebody contact me for coaching, I always tell them, you know, I prefer to work with them for a long period of time before we ever prep. And then the longer we work together, normally the better things get, you know, the better the communication gets, the more somebody learns my training styles, the more somebody learns how I like check-ins, how I like biofeedback, the more comfortable they are telling me about personal things that may be hard to talk about at first, yeah. you know, I, I need to know everything as a coach. Like if you switch your job or you switch, um, what you're doing completely, I need to know, like, yeah. and some people get afraid to tell people about things like that. Like they're like, Oh, you know, like I've had clients get into new relationships and, and they'll, you know, want to go out on more dates or something like that. And it's stuff where I'm like, okay, that's fine to tell me because, you know, I can kind of schedule stuff like that in and still coach you through that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if they're going on a vacation, I've had people where it's like, they let me know way ahead of time. I can plan your whole diet and your whole, you know, every phase around this vacation. So maybe we could take a whole break during that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, it's getting to know your coach and getting to know the schedule, getting to know how their family dynamic is how they work along with cardio, how they work with training, how they work with food, all that stuff's important. And 
the time spent learning the body and learning your client and having a coach coach client relationship is probably one of the most valuable things in my opinion as far as long-term success goes for sure i think i think a lot of it too is you know i always tell people like in some regards this is a collaborative approach between an athlete and a coach ultimately i am still making the decision because you are paying me and trusting me to make the decision but your feedback helps make a better decision for you because ultimately all I care about is adherence and some level of enjoyment in the plan, right? Especially for my lifestyle people. I want them to like what they're doing, you know, with, with prep, it, the last four weeks, there's not enjoyment and that's just a part of it. And that's okay because they've signed up for that and they know what they're getting into. But no matter what, I can't know something's wrong and to fix it unless I'm told about it, right? Or I can't, adjust your meal plan accordingly. Like I've, I had a guy go from, um, you know, working first shift to third shift and didn't tell me, and I couldn't figure out what was going on with his check-ins and it's because his sleep schedule was absolutely ruined and he couldn't figure out when to train and he couldn't figure out how to time his nutrition. I'm like, okay, well I can, I can fix this. Like that's not an issue. Um, but beyond that too, it's, it's learning your coach's coaching style and I have to learn how to coach people because, I've had people come to me who want to be kind of, I hate to say it, verbally abused in a certain sense and held accountable in an aggressive manner. And then I've had other people like competitors come to me who really only want and need affirmations and like kind of coddling in a sense. And that's okay. It's not necessarily the most comfortable thing for me because like if I'm putting on stage, I have to be a little bit harder on you and, and hold you to an expectation that I hold myself because you are representing me and my brand, but you're also stepping on stage naked and I don't want you to look bad um, to protect you. Um, but with that, like that's a whole process and that takes time. And you, and I don't know that you can really just figure that off, off out the, you know, off the rip. Like you and I meshed very quickly, Right. Like we were very quick to open, like communicate very openly. Like I was very much like, Hey man, here's the shit going on in my life. And you were receptive to it. And so like you earned my trust very quickly and I think vice versa. And that's why we work so well together from a communication standpoint, because we communicated. Um, but that's not always the case. Some people, I have some people too. Some of my best athletes don't really talk to me that much. And I kind of have to force them to like be like, Hey, how was your day? What happened today? You know what I mean? Like, and they're like, oh, by the way, like my dog died, but everything's fine. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be, you can be sad and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like there's so, so many polar opposites and extremes when it comes to interaction. Like we are dealing with human emotion and it's challenging at times. It's a puzzle. We're all a puzzle. So that's the thing is like, I feel like people need to be more open, uh, talk to your coach. Don't be afraid. Like the more you trust us, the more you put your trust into like the communication factor, the better you're going to be. I've had people that are like afraid to tell me stuff. And I'm like, why are you afraid to tell me that? You know, I can't help you unless I know. And I, I've preached that quite a bit. I'm like, unless I know what's going on, I can't do my job. Yeah. So if you're sitting there and you're, you know, struggling with your plan or struggling and you're just like refusing to, build that trust factor with me, then I'm going to be over here like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And then 
if you tell me later after all the damage is already done, I can't do anything to fix it. It's already mm-hmm. done. So I like to use a I like to use Laura as an example for this because it's like a you know, her first show she ever did. Uh she got like last place in every division. She didn't really understand how bodybuilding worked. She mm-hmm. didn't communicate, she didn't ask questions cuz you know, she didn't want to she she was like I didn't want to bother you. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, if you did, then we would do a lot better. I want you to know this stuff. I want to know why you're doing it. And literally the next year, she put in all this work. She asked questions. She did exactly what was on the plan. She learned why she was doing it. And the next year she competed, she became pro. Yeah. It's crazy what can happen when, you know, you just get to know your coach and apply yourself. And the communication sticking with the coach is key. It is. I see so many people when it's like, you know, the, they'll place even well, they'll place good. And then like, they're like, oh, well, I need to find another coach now. And it's like, like how many times have you seen somebody and they become pro and uh-huh. then they go find another coach? Countless times. I see people, who, I see amateurs who do it. I see people who are just general lifestyle do it, you know, and, and you know, like we can use our relationship as an example. Like we went, did our first show last year. We did the Knox Classic and I got third and that's not what we wanted. And a lot of people would be super excited with a third place finish. And we were not the most excited about it. And at no point was I like, this is your fault. I'm going to leave you. I was like, dude, you like, you just got me six months ago and I looked like a bag of dicks. And like, you know, we, we threw everything we could to learn my body. Like we, I mean, we, and, and listen, like granted, I, look back and I respect you for being like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. But I also now know as a coach who's been doing it myself recently, like how stressful that is to just grab somebody and more or less have them start prepping. Even though I have experience, I'd already won a show at that point and I've been coaching, but it's still like, we're still figuring it out, you know? And then we went to the drawing boards and for the next four weeks, we kind of figured out what worked and found our groove. And then I won my next show. So it's like, and then we went to a national show and we learned a lot about what my body responds to in a peak, what it doesn't respond to in a peak and this, that, and the other. And we take the notes and we move on. Like before we started this podcast, we talked about some ideas that we thought might work because I neurotically take notes about like self-deprecation, but it's like I neurotically take notes of like me looking back at the entire prep and every variable and saying, okay, what do I think I can do better? Because it's never a point of what do I think Tyler can do better? That's not what I'm I'm doing in that sense because I like to just figure out where I went wrong first, right? And take accountability for that. But we've built a better plan that I feel confident will work and that's all you do. And like I said, we're still figuring it out. Like you yeah. can't expect to just get a coach and prep in 12 weeks and win every show. Like I part of me kind of felt that way because I won my first show in 2019. And so I was like, okay, like now that I've got a really great coach, we're good. Obviously not the case because the division has changed and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, but that being said, it's actually transitions. This was the the fourth topic that we were going to discuss. We're going to move to, I think thing, one more thing. Okay. I want to, I want to talk about, cause like, a good example of this, and like I will call out another coach that we know uh, for for an example. Um, so Cameron Cheek, yeah, you know, he coached uh, Emily, yeah, uh, sir Pribula, Pribula, yeah, yeah, and he coached her, and they went to Junior USA's this year, and mm-hmm. I think she got fifth place, which I honestly thought 
she was gonna win yeah like I, I remember messaging him and i was like damn dude like she's yeah an excellent job incredible well, physique, yeah. place at that show and like we were uh, kind of surprised i remember messaging him like oh didn't expect that yeah well he got the feedback like you're supposed to mm -hmm. and you know they literally went to a show uh four weeks later at junior nats and she won the entire show she won oh, over she she won that thing, dude. Exactly. Like, she won and that, that was thing. impressive, but she went from yeah. getting a fifth place, placing in the middle of the pack at Junior USA's, because I think there were 10 girls, to literally winning the whole show four weeks later. Yeah. Because she stuck with the coach. Mm -hmm. She listened to the biofeed, listened to the feedback from Sandy yep. and the judges and did what they said. And then yeah. finally, when, he, when she announced it, somebody asked her, how long have you been working with Cameron? And it was like two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and like, if you look at Emily's past, you know, she wasn't winning, uh, like first place this whole time. Yeah. But they built her up. She listened and then she won overall at junior Nats, which shows you stay with your coach and you get to know them. You learn, you guys work together to bring the best look. Great things can happen for sure. And like, she's in a position now where like, I think firmly she could win pro shows now, like looking at her, seeing her in person, is incredible. So, so props to both of them, Cameron. You were so handsome, dude. Love you. But um, no, it's the truth of the matter, man. Is it takes time. Like we're still in the baby phases, and that's something that I I do when I when I start screening athletes during a consultation calls. I'm you know I ask I like to ask expectations, right? Because I've not done it in the past, and it's come back to bite me. And so I'm like, all right, man. Like, how long do you want to stick around for? And if they say weeks or months. I'm usually squeamish or I just tell them straight up like that's not enough time. Um, I want someone who wants to stick around for a long time because this is like this takes a while as you know, someone who's been working out for a decade to be good at and you're not going to accomplish it in six months. I don't care who you are. I really don't. There, there are very few genetic outliers who can just come into this and win it all in six months time. You know what I mean? It's I would say it's rare. It's not impossible, but it's rare. And I will say, like, probably not going to happen. And that's okay. If you love this as much as you claim, you'll do it for a long time. That's always what I tell people. So but this transitions to the fourth topic that we actually forgot to write down. How long do you think it takes? Or how do you know that you're prepared or ready to compete? One from, like, a physicality level, but a mental standpoint as well. What are your thoughts? So my big thing is maturity mm -hmm. and discipline. Yep. So what I'm looking for, if I want somebody to compete, I'm like, how consistent are they with their check-ins? Like, are they checking in the same time each week? Are they following the diet plan? Are they being honest with deviations? Are the deviations minimal? Like, are we basically following the plan? Are they training hard enough? Do they know the training intensity yet? Um, do they understand how food works? Do they understand the importance of a rest day? Do mm -hmm. they listen to everything I say? These yeah. are a lot of things that are simple type th type stuff, but I'm like, if you can't do the plan in the off season and you're not checking in with me on time and you're skipping, you know, your cardio, then you're skipping meals. Why would I let you prep? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It is. I will say those fundamentals are the most overlooked things that matter the most to me as a coach. If you check in with me after 2 p.m., unless you work night shift, 
I can tell that you don't care enough. Truthfully, I literally send you my check-ins nine minutes after I get up. I get up, I use the bathroom, I weigh in, I take my pictures, I send you my pictures, I give you all of my feedback. Usually within 20 minutes you respond to me and I have an update 20 minutes after that and I start that update that day. Yep. I get up at 6.30, 7 o'clock and I do that every week. And even when we were checking in, by the end of prep, we were I was checking in with you every day and by the end of that, I was checking with you three times a day because I care and I can't care about my athlete's success more than my athletes and doing the basics shows me that you care. So the same idea, like if I have you in an off season diet and you're getting one free meal a week or even two in some cases, and you're eating 400 grams of carbs and you are still struggling to stay on plan, how are you going to stay on plan when you're four weeks out, potentially on zero carbs and doing hours of cardio? Like I have to, you can't I'm nervous about that, man. When people tell me like they're hungry, and like I, we're not even into a cut yet. I'm like, oh man, like you, you don't understand what this is going to take. Like it, it, it's me concerned. I even tell them, like I've had people on like 350 grams of carbs, and we're just getting into like a, a certain area to start prep, and they're like, I'm starving, man. I'm like, no, you aren't. Like you're not even close, bro. What this could be, and it, it sucks to hear that because I, I think it's like me trying to mentally prepare them. Yeah, but that's a lot of the stuff I'm looking for is can you mentally handle a prep? Um, if you are struggling and the prep hasn't even started, if you, if I'm chasing you down for check-ins, that's another thing. If I'm chasing you down for check-ins, I will not let you prep. I don't care yeah. how bad you want to. If, if I'm not getting at least like four consistent months of check-ins, I will probably say, Hey man, we, we, we still need to get in a better spot mentally before you can handle this. For sure. Dude, I've had, and, I, and I, I, all these expectations that I have, have one been set for, for me as a coach by myself because of my expectations of myself, but also I've had athletes meet or exceed these expectations. I've had general lifestyle clients meet or exceed these expectations. I had a guy literally check in and I didn't know where he was checking in from because it was a weird, I was like, what's the lighting? He was checking in in the funeral home at his grandma's fucking funeral because he didn't want to miss check-ins. I'm like, I respect you. I'm sorry if you're lost. Don't do this ever again. Obviously, I hope it doesn't happen. But that's what I'm saying. There are people who are that committed to it, right? Yeah. And that's what it takes. Ultimately, like, we talk about prep all the time. It's, a, it's obviously a hot topic. People think that they glorify being on stage. And I'm telling you, as somebody who's done it four times now, prep, It is. I will preface this, I choose to do this, so I'm not a victim in saying this. It is the hardest thing mentally I have ever chosen to put myself through, right? Off-season's a breeze for me. It has to be. I mean, it's miserable in a different way, but I have no issue adhering to a diet. No. Uh, it, it, That's it, the thing, man. I check in every single week, like you said. Like I, I've worked with a coach for years now, and I check in every single Thursday at right around 8 a.m. Yep. every single week, and I don't miss it. You know, I get excited to wake up and I get excited to check in because that means I'm consistently getting progress. I get my feedback and I continue to, you know, grow or lean out or whatever I'm trying to do at the time. It gets me better. So it really confuses me as a coach when somebody doesn't get excited for check-ins. Yeah. And to yeah. me, that's like, a, that's a huge red flag, you know, mm -hmm. like, because that, that's your, your, your chance for progress. That's ultimately what you're paying for. You're paying for 
those adjustments and that feedback and to make sure that you get better. So when somebody is purposely just not checking in, my immediate thoughts are like, oh, they're not following the plan. They're not following the plan. Or they don't care or they're lazy. Yeah. Or all of the above. All of the above. A lot of times it's all of the above. And it's like, I'm the same way. Like, granted, like, there have been some time. I mean, when I first started checking in with you, I wasn't too happy about how it looked, obviously, but that was like because of the doings of the consequences of my actions previous to that of eating 1100 grams of carbs every day for no fucking reason. Um, but nonetheless, sending the check-ins is a step closer to perfecting the plan even more, right? Yeah. Like it's just getting better and better and better. And you find this groove and you start just rolling with it. And it's like, to me, it's addicting. I'm addicted to progress. I preach about it all over my social media. Progress is all that I've ever chased. Competing was never the initial goal. I just wanted to get better and then I got good enough to compete. So that kind of goes into the next part of like timeline wise, you know, and granted, this is not something that you can necessarily speak in absolutes about, but usually years, months, whatever, how long do you think somebody can train within reason? Obviously, there's a lot of caveats to this before they can be prepared to step on a stage and win or do well. I would say I like to have people work with me the minimum of about six months to a year. Um, if we're going to do a range here, because I feel like some people are in a much better spot and it really depends on how hard you work too. you know, like yeah. that six months can be a, a good chance if you're, you know, doing exactly what I say. Mm-hmm. But for most people, I'd say it's about a year of working with me consistently before I'm like, all right, let's go and put you into a prep. Yeah. And every person that has done that with me has thanked me. I will mm-hmm. tell you that, you know, because it's a really hard thing to, to be told like, Hey, you're just not ready yet. But I'm going to be honest, man. I wish back in the day when I did my first prep, my coach that I went to, I was like, hey, I want to do a bodybuilding competition. He took me right into a prep. And I really, really wish he would have told me, like, let me work with you for a year first. Yeah. Because I would have been receptive. I would have said, yeah, okay, let me do that. And I would have probably had a much better experience because I would have learned so much more about my body. I would have learned how dieting works. I would have learned how training worked. I would have grown so much more muscle tissue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Like I think what you need to remember your physique has to be competitive. For sure. I yeah. think No, I agree. I and and my thing is, you know, and again, I'm not using myself as the the standard here, but I'm just going to speak on my experience. You know, I trained for nearly 5 years, 6 years. No. Yeah, 6 years before I started my prep and my prep was 33 weeks. So I trained for about six and a half years before I stepped on stage and I won the whole show. So my thing I always tell people when they come to me and they're excited to prep and, you know, some things either they aren't ready mentally or physically or financially, because that's another thing we will talk about in the future is financially what prep looks like. I always tell them the stage is always there. And I understand like getting excited to step on stage. It's a cool thought. But the stage is always there, and I always tell people, if I'm going to put you on stage, and you're going to represent me, you're going to represent my brand, you're representing yourself, you're standing on the stage in front of hundreds of people and your loved ones, basically naked, and you're going to endure prep and all that it is, I want you to have the best opportunity to win and want to do this again. Because I've seen so many people just jump into a prep with a coach who's a yes man and says, yeah, dude, let's do it. And they're not ready in any capacity and they ruin relationships because men- mentally they're not mature enough. Emotionally, they're not 
mature enough. They ruin themselves financially because they're not prepared. They don't have money saved. Physically, they're not ready. They do the show. They don't do well. And then they blame bodybuilding like bodybuilding did it. Like the sport's the fucking problem. And it's not. It's like you kind of are the problem because you're impatient. And I understand with social media and everything else, like we seek instant gratification. I get that. But at the end of the day, you got to realize like when you step on a stage, especially in open class, there are a bunch of guys like me who've been doing this for 10 years who are going to stand beside you. And if you think you can be better than me in two years or a year, so be it. But I don't, I don't know that's, that's going to be true, you know? And I say that as like humbly as I can. That's the thing is like, okay, so as a coach, you know me, I'm probably the most brutally honest person there is. Yes. I've had people contact me and they're like, hey, I want to go into a prep. And I've been like, hey, sorry, like I require you to work with me for such and such period of time before. Um, if you're interested in doing it the right way, I'd be glad to take you. And, you know, some people are happy to do that. They're like, thank you. That's exactly what I've been looking for. And then, you know, the other 50 percent, let's be honest, majority. Yeah. Like they're they're. Like, oh, no, they'll go find somebody else. Yeah. Anybody is they'll go find somebody. I'll promise you there's a ton of coaches out there will just take your money and scam you. They don't give a shit. They're there yeah. for the money. Yep. And they will put you on stage looking your absolute worst. Yep. And they will be like, OK, this is good enough. Like, and you'll have a bad, sour taste in your mouth about bodybuilding. Like you said, you'll you'll be like, oh, this is when how it was. My coach didn't treat me right. Uh, that they did this, they did that. I'm, I'm uh, unhealthy now. And it's like, no, you went to somebody that was like, sure, I'll take your money. You weren't patient. And then you paid the consequences of that. Yeah. You went to a used car, you went to a used car salesman of a coach who said, yeah, I'll, I'll prep you for a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks a month. Let's think about this, man. If you have somebody that's going to play in an NFL football game, mm -hmm. are you going to make them practice first? and make sure that they know the plays and they know how everything works, or are you just going to let them go into the game and start? Comically, I'd love to see them just go in the game and start. Exactly, but, but it's the yeah. same thing with the bodybuilding coaching. Like, sure. I want to get see you practice first. Yes. I want to put you through the practice and practice and practice. I want to have put you through, you know, games. We're testing your intensity. I want to see how you do first before we put you on that stage and let you start. Yeah. And just how it is. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and go. You can go uh, prep right now and you have zero experience like this isn't it. There's no. levels to this. There's, there's levels. There's levels to this. And, and one thing that I talk about, too, with some of my clients who come to me is expectations versus experience and the ratio where I have guys who come to me who say, hey, man, I want to be like you. I want to win shows. I want to do this, that and the other. And they don't own a food scale or they don't know how to squat or they're missing X, Y and Z. And I say, OK, here's the deal. And I tell them up front on the phone. I say this every time. I say, if you have the expectations of winning shows soon, I'm going to hold you to the standard that I hold myself, and you are not going to like it. If you're prepared for that, we can do it. But I'm going to hold you to the standard I hold myself, and like you are one person who knows it's not healthy, right? It's not. It's neurotic, and if that's what you want, so be it, right? But again, there are there are, there are levels to this. So if you're going to come to me with this high expectation of I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, your work had better better supersede your expectations to maybe make that occur. But again, like we always talk about, at every show, there's a motherfucker that shows up that nobody knows about. 
And when you see them and you just immediately know, hey, man, you won the show. They are out there and there are plenty of them, right? That reminds me of a just real quick Sean Smith at my first show ever. He's so pro now. Yeah. I remember Tricky Jackson Classic in 2015 was the first show I ever did. And it was also the first show Sean Smith ever did, which is hilarious. But Sean was like in the heavyweight class, probably the very top of heavyweights. I mean, just looked, made everybody absolutely look stupid. Like, yeah, that's one definition of everybody else should have not showed up. Yep. But I remember he was there. Hardly anybody knew he was doing that show. And I remember I, I got off stage and I, like, I saw him backstage and I was like, well, you definitely won, Sean. And he's like, man, I don't know. I think a lot of these other people look pretty good. And I'm like, no, Sean, like you you got it, bro. Yeah, you got it. And he, he yeah. was like astonished, though. But that's that's a definition of somebody that's showing up dude if my if this happens again i'm gonna kill myself oh my god oh my god why does this keep happening dude i hate this connection scared. i thought you were gonna go out again i literally was about to just end it all um i was about to scream <laughs> well, and like, I, 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 listen i'm not comparing myself to sean smith in any way please nobody take it that way because sean is incredible when I went to do my first show, I did the Flex Lewis Classic in 2019. I only had the expectation of hopefully winning True Novice because I'd obviously never competed before. And I did the open class as well, and I'd hope for a top five finish. And when I was backstage, of course, I was a jackaloon and only told people I was doing True Novice because I thought it'd be more funny. Um, so when I lined up for open class, there were some guys who got upset. But I had guys come up to me backstage, and they were like, Congrats, man. You're going to win. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Because I, again, no earthly idea how I actually looked. And then I won the show. And I was, I can say it that it happened one time in my life. And it's probably the only time it'll ever happen. I was the motherfucker that showed up. Because I didn't have social media at that point. Right? Like, I was just, I was just doing it. I had no, nobody really knew. My close friends knew. But like, I had like, I think 200 followers on Instagram or something like that. This was like right when CP Legs was the name that I chose. Um, but it happens, dude. It happens at every show. And then you go to a national stage, and there are 15 of those dudes that show up. Where you, You're you like, where did they breed you? What do they feed you, man? You know? And so that's what people need to prepare themselves for. Is like, yes, like, and here's the thing. If you just want to look the best you've ever looked, you can just do a mock prep and just pick a date and say, this is show day for me. And try it out and see if you even like dieting to that level, right? Like you don't have to like go through the financial stress and the anxiety and the turmoil of stepping on stage if you're not ready. But there are things you can do to at least, like you said, practice and just get like trial, a trial run of it, you know, like, so I don't know why there's so much impatience. Like I feared stepping on stage and I made sure when I finally decided a year prior I was like, I will be damned if in 52 weeks I'm not prepared to win true novice. That's all I was trying to do. And at that point, I've been training for six and a half years. So I think it's just expectations and impatience is what we run into in the sport. And, and that's something we'll talk more about in this industry is obviously people want to get there as quick as they can. And I get that. I totally understand. But the human body can only change so quickly, even when you're doing all that you're supposed to do. And I hate to say it, but the people who want to do it the fastest tend to do the least to get there. Um, but nonetheless, we got about seven minutes before we have to say our goodbyes. 
Do we want to talk about this one for today? Yeah. And then, uh, we can talk more on the next topic next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that next. Um, so like we said before, we appreciate all of you guys. We love all of you. This is the coolest thing ever that people want to listen to us talk about nonsense and everything else in between. Um, so please check us out. Give us a follow, five-star yeah. review on Spotify. Um, you can find me on Instagram at cp.legs. I will tell the story of that in the near future as to how that name was created. Um, my coaching page is Team Die Trying. I will also discuss the name of that brand and how it came to fruition. And then Tyler, if you want to give all of your info. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Tyler underscore Bedson or our uh, client page where we show all our results is uh, at Built by Bedson, which um, is the company name. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please share if you guys have a snippet that you guys really enjoy. We do. If you want to share that with people as well to kind of show the stuff we talk about, we do appreciate that. We want to keep this going and really speak about some real stuff and tell some true, honest stories and talk about the stuff that nobody wants to talk about because I love doing that. That's my favorite thing. We want this to be interesting. I'm not trying to tell you how great I am or anything. I'm just here to to speak some real shit and maybe tell you how much I suck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm a mess, man. Let's talk about it. No, I love it. I think, I think (laughs) truthfully, I think vulnerability and and learning to be vulnerable is like one of the most uh, empowering things I've learned in my life. So, um, go ahead. I built my whole business off being a real person and I will continue to do that until the day I die. Oh, you didn't use, you didn't use coaching scholarships to build your business. <laughs> but I didn't even need a business mentorship. It's crazy. Oh, shit, man. It's wild. It's crazy. Um, but anyways, we appreciate you guys. We love you. Um, like I said, till next time. And if you want to let us know what kind of animal you feel like, we would really appreciate it. So we will talk to you guys soon. Peace. Cool.